once again, and welcome to episode 86 of Bee Boomer Unleashed. And uh, we're going to continue our discussion today of uh, eating habits through the decades. I'm Jerry Lake, the Unleashed Baby Boomer, and I'll be your host for today's episode and all the episodes of Bee Boomer Unleashed. Before we get into today's discussion, let me remind you, as I always do, where you can find our podcast. You can always find us at beboomerunleashed.podbean.com. You can find us on iTunes and Google Play at beboomerunleashed, on iHeartRadio at be.boomerunleashed, on Facebook, Spotify, and Instagram, you can find our link at beboomerunleashed. On Twitter, you can find our link at bboomerunleash1. And as always, we encourage you to drop us an email at bboomerunleashed at gmail.com. Once again, that's bboomerunleashed at gmail.com. Tell us what you think of the podcast, uh, suggestions for future episodes. And if you'd like to be a guest on the Bee Boomer Unleashed podcast, tell us what you'd like to talk about, and we'll do our best to get you on our show. Well, today as we continue our discussion on a look at eating habits through the decades, I'll call to remembrance that last week we talked about the history of American restaurants in the 20th century and the rise of the franchise we talked about. And as a basis for that discussion, we used an article written by Lori Mealy entitled History of American Restaurants in the 20th Century. And she did a lot of research on that, and and we appreciate the work that she did there, that we were able to have a discussion based on that article that she wrote. Now, let's take a look at some of these franchises through the years. Now, some of these really surprised me as to when they, you know, came into existence. And then if you're like me, there's probably a lot of these a lot of these restaurants and franchises that you've never heard of. And a lot of them are regional franchises. And some of these franchises have come and gone. So uh, that's the thing about a franchise. Now, a franchise basically is a business that has a proprietor, either a sole proprietor or a corporation or a limited liability company, owns this franchise. And what they do, for example, is say you own a, oh, I don't know, a McDonald's franchise. They give you a certain area that that's going to be the only McDonald's in that area. And uh, you buy that franchise and you buy the food from McDonald's that you prepare. You buy the equipment from McDonald's and you give them a percentage each month uh, of what um, you sold in that restaurant. And uh, you pay a franchise fee for doing that, whether it's McDonald's or any other franchise that you might uh, be talking about. And uh, franchise ownership is kind of tricky. A lot of times uh, you need to own more than one franchise, need to own more than one location, if you will, of the same franchise before it really becomes profitable because the company that sells you the franchise is going to make a whole lot of money selling you material, equipment, and and taking that royalty fee, if you will, each month right off the top. 
and most franchises are anything from 6% to about 10 or 11% of your gross sales. So let's say it's uh, 8%. That means that uh, they take $0.08 off of every dollar gross sales that you bring in. So you start out with $0.92 on every dollar you take in, and then out of that you have to pay the rent for the building, you have to pay the payroll, the payroll taxes, you buy the food, you buy the equipment, you pay the electric bill, you pay all this stuff out of that. So what's left over after that is your profit. And franchising is um, is a pretty good thing for a lot of people, but uh, it's uh, very difficult. Uh, you know, people, lots of people think, well, they have a franchise, they own this, they're, they're automatically rich. Well, no, there's a lot of people that go out of business, but franchising was an idea that came into its own back in the early 20th century, and and one of the first franchises that we've heard about uh, came about in 1916, Nathan's Famous. Has anyone ever had a Nathan's Famous hot dog? And uh, that uh, started in Coney Island, New York. And uh, you see Nathan's franchises. You can buy Nathan's hot dogs at the grocery store. I've seen them in Kroger's Meat Case and other places. But they have actually restaurants called Nathan's Famous. And uh, those are hot dogs that you can buy there. And that was one of the first, maybe the first, that started in 1916. Then in 1921 came White Castle. White Castle, fellow named Walter Anderson and Billy Ingram uh, came up with the White Castle Hamburger franchise, which started in Wichita, Kansas, and they're still in business today, just like Nathan's uh, Famous, still in business today. Then uh, there was a franchise, and this really surprised me how early this one came along. In 1926, that's the year my daddy was born, um, and that was Orange Julius. Orange Julius. Have you ever had an Orange Julius? And uh, that um, franchise was created by Julius Freed and Bill Hamlin. And it started where, of all places? Los Angeles, California. Kind of started like as a juice bar, and they kind of expanded their menus over the years. But then there was also 1926, a franchise called Pizzeria Regina. And that started up in Boston, Massachusetts. A guy by the name of Anthony Polcari started that franchise. Never heard of it in my life. But then there, in 1926, there was a franchise called Made Right. And in 1929 came Caramel Corn. Have you ever had Caramel Corn with a K? Wow, good stuff. Started in Casper, Wyoming. Can you imagine Caramel Corn starting in Casper, Wyoming? guy by the name of Bill O'Sullivan started that. Then in 1932, along came Crystal with a K. Crystal with a K. You've seen Crystal's franchises around. A lot of times they're associated with a gas station and a restaurant, fast food restaurant, started by uh, uh, Rody Davenport and uh, Glenn Sherrill. And uh, that was started down in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Still in business today. Then this one also was a surprise to me how early it started. 1934. 1934, Steak and Shake. Can you believe it? Steak and Shake started way back in 1934. 
fellow named a Gus Belt in Normal, Illinois. So, Steak and Shake, 1934. Then Carvel Ice Cream was in 1936. Tom Carvel started that up in New York. And in 1936, Papa Gino's. Michael and Helen Valerio started a pizza franchise in Boston, Massachusetts. Papa Gino's, not to be confused with Gino's Pizza um, here in West Virginia and the surrounding area. That franchise started uh, by a local guy by the name of Kenny Grant. Gino's Pizza started in a little old house down on 29th Street and grew to what it is today. And uh, that's uh, Gino's Pizza there. But Papa Gino's started in 1936. And also 1936, along comes the Big Boy. And Big Boy's operated under several different names. I think Frishies or Frishes, however you pronounce that, is now the uh, Big Boy um, owner. They own that uh, Big Boy uh, logo. And that, you see a big uh, fat guy with a checkerboard suit on standing out in front of the restaurants and that's uh, big boys uh used to um uh, shoney's had big boy that was shoney's big boy but now frish's uh, i think has the big boy uh, franchise then here's one we all love all love this one in 1937 crispy cream Oh, I'd love to have a big crispy cream donut right now. I like the chocolate covered with cream filling in them. Not the pudding filling, not like the Boston pudding cream filling. I want the white cream fill in that uh, crispy cream donut. But that came along in 1937. Sometimes I just like a hot glazed, you know, original there in crispy cream and uh, that's a franchise also, and it started out down Winston-Salem, North Carolina. A fellow named Vernon Rudolph. Then in the 1930 line, along came Country Kitchen, and we've seen that one around. Then in 1940, along comes Dairy Queen. Dairy Queen. They've kind of changed their name a little bit. Now they refer to themselves as DQ, but it's Dairy Queen. Uh, Gramps McCullough in Joliet, Illinois. Gramps McCullough started Dairy Queen in 1940. And uh, originally it was just ice cream. They didn't have anything else to eat. And then they added the Brazier Burger and uh, all different kinds of sandwiches and French fries and things they added there to the Dairy Queen menu. So DQ, as they call it now, started back in 1940. 1941, Carl's Jr. Carl's Jr. Some places around this part of the country call those Hardee's, but it started out as Carl's Jr. back in 1941 in South Central um, California. And a fellow named Carl Karcher started Carl's Jr. Also in 1941 came along Don Carlos Barbecue by Don Carlos Edwards back in Salt Lake City, Utah, 1941. I uh, really don't know, really don't know anything about Don Carlos Barbecue, whether they're still in business or not, but I do love some good barbecue. Then here's another one, 1945, Baskin Robbins Ice Cream. Baskin Robbins. 
Burt Baskin and Irv Robbins started that out in Glendale, California. You notice a lot of these franchises have started out in California. But Baskin Robbins, all those different flavors of ice cream and the flavor of the week and that kind of thing. And Baskin Robbins, they've been in business for a long time. 1946 uh, came uh, Dwarf House. Now, I don't have any idea what Dwarf House serves up or served up. Truett Cathy uh, from Hopeville, Georgia, uh, started Dwarf House, and he's the guy that eventually became Chick-fil-A. But I don't know why they called it Dwarf House. That'd be a good research project. Why don't one of you boomers look up and see um, why they called it Dwarf House, and let me know. That's an interesting fact. Also in 1946, the Swanky Club and the Hilltop Lounge, both of those started by Glenn O'Leary out in Las Vegas. Then in 1947, local guy from Charleston, West Virginia, Alex Schoenbaum started Shoney's. Shoney's started by Alex Schoenbaum, and it was a huge thing for a while. They don't, I don't think there are many of those restaurants left now. But it was a great, um, great restaurant, and it was the home of the big boy for many years. Shoney's Big Boy started right in Charleston, West Virginia. Shoney's. And then Glenn Bell from San Bernardino, California, started Bell's Burgers. And then in 1948, here it comes, drum roll, Maurice and Dick McDonald started McDonald's. Started McDonald's in San Bernardino, California. Well, everybody knows the sign of the Golden Arches, don't they? And that started in 1948. And then there's the in and out uh, with Harry Snyder um, in 1948 in Baldwin Park, California. Coco's in Corona Del Mar, California. And then in Gallipolis, Ohio, just up the road here, Bob Evans started a chain of restaurants known as Bob Evans. Bob Evans down on the farm. And they started that in Gallopolis, Ohio, just right up the road here. And a huge, huge, big uh, uh, franchise of restaurants. And uh, they, uh, Bob Evans Holdings, they sold that out a while back. But they still go by that name, Bob Evans. Winchell's Donuts uh, in Temple City, California. Uh, another donut shop popped up there. And then Bob's Big Boy, Scott McDonald and Ward Albert in Burbank, California. Bob's Big Boy in 1949. Um, 1950, the year I was born, along comes Arctic Circle out in Salt Lake City, Utah. And then the franchise Whataburger. What a burger. Wow, what a burger. Started there in 1950. And then here's another one we all love, Dunkin' Donuts. Wow, I love me some Dunkin' Donut coffee, don't you? It's uh, good stuff. Bill Rosenberg started Dunkin' Donuts in 1950. Then 1951, Jack in the Box. I think they had a little bit of trouble a few years ago with some bad food at Jack in the Box, but... I'm not sure whether they're still in business or not, but a guy by the name of Robert Peterson out in California. Neil Baker started Baker's in 1951, and then Cazzoli's, an Italian franchise, uh, began in 1951. Then in 1952, 
down in Corbin, Kentucky, not too far from home here, Colonel Sanders began Colonel Sanders Kentucky Fried Chicken. Would you believe that Colonel Stan Sanders started in a gas station? And uh, the invention of the um, pressure fryer was out of necessity because he started selling this chicken in the gas station, and it was so popular that they just couldn't fry it up fast enough. They'd fry it up, and they'd be out, and then, you know, they were out of chicken. So he came up with this pressure fryer concept where it could be fried quickly, and KFC was born, Kentucky Fried Chicken. Another chicken place came to be in 1952, Church's Chicken, by the name of George Church. And uh, that started out in San Antonio, Texas. And then uh, Lovey Yancey started Fat Burger in Los Angeles, California. And then here's a place where you can get a reasonably priced meal. Uh, they used to make fun of them on uh, late night with uh, Jay Leno a lot of times, I think. But Denny's, and Denny's, not a bad little restaurant. You get a, a decent meal for a decent price. And uh, you can get breakfast all day long if you want breakfast. And it's uh, started by Harold Butler out in Lakewood, California, 1953. Denny's, then in 1954, Burger King. Burger King, we had Dairy Queen, and now we've got Burger King. And uh, James uh, McLemore and Dave Edgerton started Burger King way back in 1954. And then El Tortito, a taco place, and Taco Tia began with uh, Glenn Bell and uh, they in Encino, California, and San Bernardino, California. El Taco by Glenn Bell uh, started in 1956. We're going to hear more about this as we go along here. And then Shark Shakey's started by Sherwood Johnson back in the early 50s. And in 1958, IHOP, IHOP Pancakes, Pancake Franchise, IHOP. And um, they uh, started in uh, Toluca Lake, California. Then you had the Sizzler Steakhouse, Pizza Hut, Sbarro, Village Inn. All these places started in 1958. Then in 1959, we had Pizza Pizza, Little Caesars Pizza, with the home of, I think it started out to $4 pizza, and then it's 5 and I think it's 6 now. But you know, Little Caesars, not a bad product. It's really not. Started in Garden City, uh, Michigan. And another pizza startup that year, Round Table Pizza, Taco Time, Bickford's Pancake House, and Chuck's Steakhouse. Uh, Round Table Pizza started in California, Taco Time in Eugene, Oregon, Bickford's Pancake House, Peabody Mass, Chuck's Steakhouse, and Waikiki, Hawaii. So um, lots of those startups in 1959, and then in 1960, hey, here comes some more pizza. Don't we have enough pizza? Here comes some more. Domino's. Domino's Pizza. Tom and James uh, Monahan from Ypsilanti, Michigan, started uh, Domino's Pizza. And then Hardy's started by Wilbur Hardy, uh, which I think was a spinoff from Carl's Jr. And they're still affiliated some way, I think. 
Then in 1961, a place called Wiener Schnitzel by John Gallardi in Long Beach, California. And then Glen Bell. Remember those taco joints we talked about earlier? Uh, and I said, we'll hear from Glen Bell again. Well, in 1962, ding, ding, Taco Bell. Taco Bell, Glen Bell in Downey, California, started the famous and very successful franchise called Taco Bell. Then in 1964, we got some more coffee and donuts at Tim Hortons. They served up a good product. And then Arby's. Arby's came on the scene, that big roast beef sandwich of Arby's in 1964. Blimpy's Sub Shop. Blimpy's started in 1964. Del Taco also started. Benihana in New York, New York. Boston's Gourmet Pizza started in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. And then Villa Pizza began in New York City. Then we get down to about 1965, and there was um, TGI Fridays. TGI Fridays. Have you ever eaten at a TGI Fridays? Not a bad place. Pretty good place. And uh, Subway. Very successful Subway. Uh, build it your way. You stand there and tell them what you want on your sandwich, and that's what they put on there. And Fred DeLuca and Peter Buck... We up in Bridgeport, Connecticut, started that franchise. Then in 1966, along comes Sirloin Stockade in Oklahoma City. Um, and um, then uh, Truett Cathy. Uh, you remember the, the uh, uh, Dwarf House restaurant? <laughs> uh, 1967, Truett Cathy founds Chick-fil-A in Atlanta, Georgia. Chick-fil-A. And... Uh, Get yourself a pretty good chicken sandwich there. It's not the best I've ever had, but it's edible. And uh, it's always a pleasure for them to serve you. At least that's what they say it is. Then a spinoff of uh, Taco Bell, no relation, is Taco Bill. So somebody tried to capitalize on that name. And uh, then there was Steer and Stein, Huntington Beach, California. And then Mini Pearl Chicken. Howdy! Remember... Cousin Minnie Pearl on the Grand Ole Opry. Well, Minnie Pearl Chicken, started by John Jay and Henry Hawker in 1967, about the same time D'Angelo's was started. Then in 1968, Red Lobster. Red Lobster, Bill Darden in Lakeland, Florida. I get tickled. Sometimes we'll go to a beach area and uh, somewhere near the ocean and We'll ask one of the locals, where's a good place to buy seafood? <laughs> Get a nice seafood dinner, and you'd be surprised at the people who have looked at me with a straight face and said, Red Lobster. And I'm going, no, no, not Red Lobster. I can eat that in Huntington, West Virginia. How about a mom and pops? How about a local seafood restaurant? And uh, But Red Lobster, they've got uh, those little cheese biscuits. Boy, are they good or what? Then Brahms Ice Cream comes along. And then in 1969, Red Robin, yum. Uh, and so Red Robin started, came on the scene in 1969. Got a great product, I think, there, Red Robin. Endless fries. That'll help make you fat and give you a heart attack. But you can have all the fries that you can consume. Taco John's, then speaking of John, along comes Long John Silver's into the fast food, seafood business. And then the old spaghetti factory. Lots of folks like to go to the old spaghetti factory. Uh, 
Then Arthur Treacher's Fish and Chips. Boy, I don't even know if there's an Arthur Treacher's left now. I don't know if there's one left in the United States. But boy, did I love me some Arthur Treacher's Fish and Chips. And uh, he had a really good product. I don't know what happened. Maybe uh, Long John Silver's and Captain D's, which came along about the same time from Donaldson, Tennessee. Maybe they kind of shoved poor old Arthur Treacher out of business. And then in 1969, along comes Cracker Barrel. Everybody likes, they seem to like to go to Cracker Barrel. Um, it's okay. You know, I, I don't dislike Cracker Barrel, but I can get home cooking at home, and it's really home cooked and uh, instead of out of a can. And, um, you know, my wife is a much better cook than anything you could get at, at Cracker Barrel, although I've gotten good meals at Cracker Barrel. Their breakfast is particularly good. And then up the road here in Columbus, Ohio, in 1969, along comes Dave Thomas with Wendy's. Remember that little old lady on the early Wendy's commercials? Where's the beef? Where's the beef? Remember that? And uh, she would pick up a bun on a, uh, supposed to be a McDonald's hamburger or something. She couldn't find the beef. Well, Wendy's brought the beef. They brought it, anything from a single to a double to a triple. And, boy, you talk about a heart attack on a bun. There it was, but boy, hot and juicy, they called them. I call them hot and greasy. Man, you bite into that big Wendy's, and the grease just runs down your chin. And Boy, is it good. Not good for you, probably, but good stuff. Then 1970, along came Noggles and Caro's. 1971, you could get another deli-type sandwich from Schlotzky's, Togo's. And then in 1971, along came Starbucks. Now, I know lots of people are Starbucks fans. Not me. I hate stuff. I don't like Starbucks coffee. It always tastes burnt to me. Does anybody agree with me, or do you love that $5 or $6 a cup of coffee? My daughter likes Starbucks. My son-in-law likes Starbucks, but whew, not me. I don't like it. It tastes burnt. If I'm going to drink coffee, I'd rather spend $0.99 cents and get a cup of really hot coffee at McDonald's or uh, some other gas station coffee. But to pay that much money for Starbucks, and uh, they, uh, they, don't, uh, they don't turn me on a bit, but that's been very successful, and a lot of people are willing to plunk down five, six, or eight bucks for a double cappuccino, frosted latte, mocha, caramel, you know, um, treat on their way to work in the morning and they go through that drive through window and get that Starbucks. And a lot of people love it. Started out in Seattle, Washington, but not me. I don't care for it, but a lot of people do. Angelo and Vinci's in Fullerton, California. Then Popeye's Chicken comes along in 1972 along with the Cheesecake Factory. Ever been to a Cheesecake Factory? Wow, it's good stuff. Ruby Tuesdays came along at about that time. Uh, then uh, Cousins, Subs, and 1973, Godfather's Pizza. You see Godfather's at a lot of gas stations. That's one of those fast foods that you get at a gas station. Now, one thing you never want to eat at a gas station is sushi. Do not eat gas station sushi. Of course, I don't eat fish bait anyway, but a lot of people love sushi. But, you know, don't do it at a gas station. Go to some place where you can get it. Now, in 1974 comes along Quaker Steak and Lube. Good stuff. Quaker Steak and Lube. A lot of people say they don't like it, but I kind of like it. It's pretty good, and I thought it was kind of a neat idea. 
off of the Quaker Stake, Quaker State logo. They instead they call it Quaker Stake. Uh, then in 1975, Chili's, kind of a Tex-Mex place. A lot of people like Chili's, El Pollo Loco, Miguel's Jr., Casa Gallardo. Then in 1976, along come Chi-Chi's and the Coffee Beanery, another yuppie coffee place. 1977 comes along a place called Claim Jumpers and then Ben and Jerry's. Old Ben Cohen and Jerry Greenfield started Ben and Jerry's ice cream. It's been very successful. And I never know how to pronounce this name. It's A-U-B-O-N-P-A-I-N. And I don't know whether it's Albon Payne or Albon. Uh, you know, it's some kind of a yuppie name. Uh, a person by the name of Lewis Kane came up with it. Really don't know what they serve. Never been there. The name kind of turned me off. But anyway, I'm sure it's good. Then Yoshinoya, Damon's, House of Donuts, Las Brisas. Then in 1980, Applebee's. Applebee's, and uh, it was popular for a long time. I don't even know if they're still in business. I'm not sure that the Applebee's franchise is still around. And then there was a franchise came out called Fuddruckers, and I just never did like the name of that place, but I guess they served up a pretty good sandwich. And then 1981, TCBY, Farmer Boys, Buffalo Wild Wings, Big Town Heroes, Figaro's, Papa Aldo's, Cheap, Cheap Cheese, Shoot, Chesapeake Bagel. I'll get it right there in a minute. Then in 1982, Olive Garden. Boy, with that endless salad bowl, is that good? Uh, Ruby's Diner, Dave and Buster's, Quizno, Papa John's Pizza. A lot of folks like Papa John's Pizza. Not a big fan, but a lot of people like that. Brugger's Bagels, Panda Express. That's fast food Chinese that you can get at malls usually. Hooters. Well, enough said about Hooters. Um... Chin Chin's, uh, Copeland's, New Orleans Restaurant, Blackjack Pizza. Then in the mid-'80s, Cafe Express, One Pollo, uh, Hooker Hamburgers. I uh, don't never heard of that, don't understand that. But anyway, um, Chick-fil-A Dwarf House in 1985. So there's Chick-fil-A Dwarf House. So still into the Chick-fil-A Dwarf House business. Okay. El Torito Grill. I'm waiting for somebody to tell me what Dwarf House is all about. Boston Market, Cinnabon, California Pizza, Beefo Brady's, CC's Pizza, where you could get all the pizza you could stuff down your gullet for about five or six bucks. Uh, Caraba's Italian Grill, Charlie's Grills, uh, Manhattan Bagel, Backyard Burgers, Cold Stone Creamery, uh, Outback Steakhouse, Roy's, Aunt Annie's, Hoagie Yogi. Uh, Jose's Mexican Food, imagine that, a guy by the name of Jose's with Mexican Food, Buffalo Southwest Cafe, Jamba Juice, Caribou Coffee, Zaxby's, they have some good chicken there too, Baja Fresh, Kenny Rogers Roasters, Patton Oscars, Pretzel Maker, Logan's Roadhouse, you know, the list goes on and on and on, Texas Roadhouse, Roadhouse Grill, Chipotle, Atlantic Bread Company, Pasta Pomodoro, Juice It Up, Xanadu, Buck's Pizza, Teriyaki Sticks, Zuka Juice, uh, Kosai, Bahama Breeze, uh, Montana Mike's, Rockfish Seafood Grill, Fleming Steakhouse, Coyote Canyon, Leroy Selman's, Bonefish Grill, Lindsay's Cafe, Me Tortilla, Cheeseburger in Paradise, Glazy's Bakery, 
and Rockfish Grill. My, 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 what a bunch of restaurants. And you know what? There's hundreds of them that we didn't even mention. Now, all we got to do today was tell you about these. Now, can you imagine? Can you imagine all the selections we have of stuffing greasy, salty stuff down our throats at all of these selections? Now, is it good food? Yeah, man, it tastes great. Is it good for you? Well, I'm sure they've probably all got some healthy choices, but a lot of that stuff you just never know. And if you've ever been on a heart-healthy diet, one of the hardest things to do, one of the hardest things to do is control the salt intake. It's just really difficult to do. And at a restaurant, you never know how much salt is in what you're eating. Well, next week, we're going to talk about, we're not going to go through every one of these. I just wanted to give you a list today to show you just how intense this food industry is. Can you imagine, can you imagine supplying just potatoes for all the French fries or beef for all the hamburgers, you know, or fish for all the uh, Captain D's and Long John Silver's and all the Red Lobsters. Can you imagine just doing that for the United States, not counting the world? Food is a huge business. And we're going to pick just a few of these next week and talk about the nutritional value that we're getting in some of these very tasty meals. And I'm not going to deny some of this stuff is just out of this world. But is it good for you? I'm going to give you some facts uh, and tell you about some of the choices on some of these menus and how they stack up. And you decide that for yourself. I'm not going to be one of those guys that say, I don't eat that stuff. That'll give you a heart attack. You know, I'm not one of those. It happened to me. That's my fault. That's not Taco Bell's fault. That's not McDonald's fault. That's not Burger King's fault. It's my fault because I shoved that stuff down my throat in mass quantities. And so I'm not going to blame any of these restaurants. And these folks have a a right to put forth any kind of product that they want to as long as it's clean, as long as they're... um, uh, uh, restaurant uh, passes uh, health department inspections and as long as they're using good quality food but what they want to put in it they have a right to do that and you have a right to eat it but you also have a right to know what you're eating and we're going to talk a little bit about that next week okay so didn't mean to ramble on so long about, but there are just so many, so many. And I'm, there are hundreds that I didn't even mention today or didn't have time to mention, but that's way more than enough. Well, listen, it's been great being with you this week. I hope that you'll come back and visit with us next week when we talk about the nutritional value of some of these choices. Hey, it's been great to be with you. I hope to see you again next week. But until then, have a great week. And may God bless each and every one of you. Goodbye.